Happy Easter. Happy Easter. You uh, will recall that I mentioned while we were praying that Louise Nursworthy passed away this past week. And so uh, the funeral is on Thursday. I'm not sure if we mentioned that or not, but uh, it's at 10 o'clock a.m. And if you can make it, that would be wonderful. And uh, Brenda, Brenda now is doing what Marilyn Wedlake has been doing all these years. And so she's going to need some help. So if you could help her prepare for that, that would be just so good. Speak to her afterward. Well, we've come to the end of our series on love. And uh, I, I got to say that I've really been quite thrilled at the response and, and actually the willingness on the part of so many people to, to jump in and do what needs to be done in order to see that love manifested in their lives and in their marriages. And uh, I'm really, really delighted about that. But today what I want to talk about as we, as we close this series is, is victory. It's a victory in the Christian life that comes through loving one another. When I was growing up, we had an old Ukrainian lady that lived next door to us. And uh, she was always angry, almost always angry and annoyed at me uh, and my siblings. There were four of us who were two years apart, so you can just imagine, we were just sort of a cluster of kids that's always around her property. And I'm going to tell you, she had a, a most, the most beautiful manicured lawn. Uh, there, there was no uh, litter anywhere. Everything was, I mean, they had the little scissors cutting. The, you know, have you seen neighbors like that? I mean, it was like a lawn. At our house, we had grass. At her place, that their place, they had a lawn, all perfectly manicured. She had beautiful uh, picture windows on the side of her house, looking at our house and at the front. And again, spotless. Uh, you could see your reflection uh, off of those windows. Her house was uh, an immaculate white painted stucco house. And she, uh, I recall, was constantly looking out the window and spying on us. Now, at our house, next door, we, we have four kids, and with those four kids, lots and lots of friends. In fact, all the neighborhood kids were, were over at our place parking their bikes in front of our house, and for whatever reason, our, the kids that came to visit us liked to lean their bikes against her house. They could have leaned them against ours, but they did it against hers, so I don't know why she was getting angry. Anyway, uh, between our houses was a stretch of mud that my dad was constant. My mom and my dad were constantly trying to seed with grass, and I remember they tried everything. They put up, you know, uh, lumber to block the way so that we couldn't walk on that area. They put down uh, sackcloth, uh, hoping that the grass would, would would break through. I don't know if we ever did succeed, Mum, in in growing grass there. I think it was just permanently mud, and that really annoyed the neighbor. It really annoyed her, which secretly made me happy. Uh, <laughs> uh, every time it rained, uh, the you know the rain would come down and then splatter her nice white house, which she was out there cleaning up immediately. I'm just giving you an idea of what we're dealing with here. One day, my friend Herb Vilhaber was over, and we were looking at those beautiful, shiny uh, windows, and we thought, well, I wonder uh, how well the mud would stick <laughs> to those windows. And so he would, he, we had the hose right there, 
it was right there, and the mud was right there. And, and what are you to do if you're a kid? So he bent over and picked up some money, chucked it against the window, and has anybody enjoyed the satisfaction of throwing mud in its sticks? There's something very satisfying about that. And so he did it again, and I just got the hose out, and he threw it, and I washed it off, and he threw it, and I washed it off. Now, why would that make the neighbor mad? So we're having a ball. Having, I mean, this was, this was great fun. I mean, better than riding our bikes. And all of a sudden, Mrs. Toplenicki comes out with murder on her face. And, and this time, even I was scared. <laughs> she came up to, to Herb and slapped him across the face so hard that it actually it sent him reeling. He had a handprint on his, on his face. And I thought in that moment, Mrs. Toplenicki, you are now the enemy. You are our enemy. But then something happened. And don't you love the way God works? I became a Christian. I gave my heart to Christ as a young boy. And I knew in my heart that I needed to do something to make things right. I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't live next door to this woman and treat her as a hated enemy. And so what I did is with some money from my paper route, I went and I bought her a rose. And I knocked on the door. I had no idea what she would do. I didn't know if she was going to push me downstairs or, 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 or what she would do. I had no idea. But I, I handed her this rose. And in that instant, when I handed her that rose, I watched all of her anger, all of her hatred, literally wash away, just go down the drain. And I discovered in that moment, as a young boy, that love really does conquer all. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the love that brings you victory in your life. The love that will bring victory in your marriage and in your family and in your workplace. And what I'm sharing with you, I'm going to tell you, if you're not a believer today, then you're going to have a hard time swallowing this. In fact, you probably are thinking, oh no, this, is, this doesn't sound real. Well, actually, the, the Bible says that the natural mind cannot receive spiritual truth. So if you're not a believer today, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, well, then just sort of bear with us and try to get it. Uh, or better yet, just give your heart to Jesus. Start believing in him and watch the transformation that will take place in your life. Because that's what happened to me. The woman next door was, was a hated enemy, and now she's my best friend. What does the Bible say about all of this? Well, we're studying in 1 John. We're coming to the end. We, we went through four chapters. Today is the fifth chapter and the final chapter. And here's what John says. If you do as I say in this letter, then you too will be full of joy, and so will we. If you do what's in this letter, you will be filled with joy. So in John, uh, 1 John chapter 5, it talks about the victory that's ours through Christ. So what have we learned over the past five weeks? Well, first of all, we learned that we lose our joy when we do not love. And so you and I as Christians are called to love one another. And I'm going to tell you, it's not, it's not always easy. It's easy to love uh, some people, and some people are really difficult to love. 
So John tells us in the very first chapter that we have to lose our hate in order to keep our love. Does this make sense? Lose the hate, get the joy. That alone is worth it. But there's so much more that John has to say. In the second chapter, we discovered that friendship with the world is enmity with God because the world does not teach us how to love. The world teaches us how not to love. In fact, the world teaches us the opposite of love. The world tells you that you are the center of the universe. Everybody remember that? And the the, the shocking reality is, in fact, you're not. God is. So the world tells you that you're the center of the universe. God is, in fact, the center of the universe. And those who believe what the world says are going to always struggle in all of their relationships. They'll never be able to enjoy the kind of love that God wants you to enjoy. In chapter 3, we discovered that love is action, that it goes far beyond mere feeling. And I I have seen this uh, so many times with couples who are struggling. They say, well, I don't have the feeling, so therefore our marriage must be over. And I'm saying, no. Jesus commands us to love. That is the great commandment. In fact, he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. You weren't quite sure of that. We better do this again. A new commandment I give. That's it. It's an action. It's a verb. You've all heard this many, many times. In fact, you could probably preach that sermon yourself. It's something that you do. And here's what you will discover. You will discover that as you begin to act in love, the feelings begin to follow. I hear couples say, well, I don't feel like I love her anymore. So what? What does that got to do with it? Just start loving her the way God calls you to love her, and lo and behold, the feelings will follow. That, my friends, is Christianity 101. And then at chapter 4, last week, we discovered that God calls us to grow in love. And by growing in love, we surrender it to him by having a strong walk with him. You cannot grow in love. You cannot grow more loving if you are not plugged in to Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you it's not automatic. It takes some struggle, some wrestling. It takes some hard work. But I'm going to tell you that it's always worth it. And would you say amen to that? Amen. It's always worth it. And sometimes you actually need help. You need to get a coach or a counselor, somebody to come alongside you to work out the details. And I've been absolutely thrilled that numbers of people over the past five weeks that have called and said, hey, can we get together? We, we want to fine-tune our marriage. We want it to be better. And I say everybody needs to get counseling. Everybody should get coaching. Everybody needs help. Would you say amen to that? Yeah. Okay, you can sign up right after the service. So let me talk for a moment about Christian love. And I have to say Christian love, or as I pointed out a few weeks ago, agape love. Because agape love is the love of God. It's that unconditional love that says, I'm going to love you even if you hate me. I don't care. My love for you has nothing to do with you. That sounds bizarre, eh? My love for you has nothing to do with you. I love you because God has commanded me to love you. So I have for you an agape love that is is not dependent on what you say or what you do. Now, that's radical thinking. C.S. Lewis, you may remember, pointed out that there are four loves. 
And, and a lot of pastors, now they think that those four loves are mentioned in the Bible. They're not. Eros, uh, uh, Eros is the first one. That's uh, erotic or sexual love. That's not mentioned in the scripture. Storgi, which is familiar, familial love, a love that happens in a family. That's not in the Bible. It, pastors think it is because C.S. Lewis said it. But there is philo, there's philos, which is a brotherly love. It's where we get to the name Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And then, of course, agape love, which is the predominant word in the New Testament. It's, it's, it's a godly love. It's a spiritual love. It's a love that is modeled to us by God himself. It's that love that's unconditional. I'm going to say thank you, Jesus, that you love me with that kind of love. And that's the kind of love that we are called to love each other with. It's not dependent on the other person. It, it all is dependent on you and your willingness to obey God. Now, why did I buy this rose for Mrs. Toppelnicki? I wasn't smart enough at that age to think, well, maybe I can bribe her into being nice to me. I wasn't thinking like that. I was just thinking, I've got to do something nice to this lady to whom I've been rather unkind to. I did this because this is what God tells me to do. Look what it says here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Loving God means what? Keeping his commandments, which means loving one another. And his commandments, look at this, are not burdensome. Now, I need to point that out because for a lot of people, when I tell you to love all the people in your life, you think, oh my goodness, that's like the hardest thing in the world. But God said, no, it's not. <laughs> There's things that are far more difficult. We are to love one another with the love of God. And God's commands are not burdensome. I'll tell you what burdensome is. Burdensome is that you begin to suffer for your sins. That you go through life without that unconditional love of God. That is burdensome. But when you give your heart to Jesus God washes away your sin. And now you stand as God's son or God's daughter. And he only asks you to do what he does for you. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you think you're deserving of God's love? Or if two of us think not, the rest think yes? Is that how this works? <laughs> a lot of us have a hard time admitting that we need forgiveness or God's grace. A lot of us sit here this morning thinking, well, actually, pastor, you may not know this. Your church may not be like me, but I'm going to tell you, I'm actually a very good person. I'm going to tell you today, according to scripture, you're not. In fact, the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags, which says to me that we are pretty desperate, pretty much in need of God's love. And knowing that changes our perspective. We begin to understand that we can, in fact, love other people, that it is not burdensome. So this is what we're talking about today, this victory through loving people. Not because they deserve it, but because God demands it. And if you're not a believer, again, I really don't know what to say to you, but for those of us who are followers of Christ, we love the people in our lives because God tells us to. Not because we feel like it, but because God tells us to. 
And by the way, can I just say this? Because some of you are thinking today, the person sitting beside me right now is not easy to love. It could be. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at the sky here. (laughs) It could be. And this is what I believe. I believe God knew exactly who to bring into your life to change you, to make you a better person. I'm just throwing that out there. No extra charge for that. Let's get back to this. Loving God means keeping his commandments. Look where the focus is, folks. We talk about victorious love and and loving one another. Look where the focus is. It's not first on the other person. So I married Gloria back in 1989. Next year, it's going to be how many years? 30 years. Wow. I'm going to tell you, um, we've had our moments like every couple, but I'm going to tell you, 30 years, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. And you just couldn't, I could not, I cannot, I could not believe that it could keep getting better and better and better. But it does. And there's a reason why this did not happen by accident. And by the way, in case you think I'm standing up here bragging, well, I am. (laughs) No. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you that Gloria and I love each other and have an excellent marriage because we worked really hard on it. It didn't happen by chance. We didn't say, man, are we ever lucky? We never say that to each other. Are we ever lucky to have a good marriage? Never do we say that because we both know how very hard we worked on having an excellent marriage. When Gloria and I were uh, getting our wedding bands, we decided we would each uh, engrave something into each other's bands. And into her band, I put a little triangle. And some of you have seen me talk about this in, in counseling. But the thing that we talked about all the time while we were dating is the importance of keeping God at the center of our relationship. So in other words, rather than, than moving towards each other, now just consider this as a triangle. Does everybody see my triangle? See, if I had a blackboard, we could... But you can use your imagination. Got the triangle? So at each point, there's Gloria, here's Alan, and here's God. So rather than, trying, rather, than, rather than trying to move closer to each other, to love each other, and to, be, to, be, uh, to experience that eros and all the other crazy loves, what we decided or what we understood is that we needed to make our way towards God. So rather than trying to move towards each other, we tried to move towards God. So the focus, look at this, the focus in our marriage, the focus on our relationship is our love for God. Did you get that? That's a game changer. Because as I'm moving closer to God and as I'm loving God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, guess what? It means I'm going to love Gloria in a way that this world cannot imagine. This world could not begin to imagine the kind of love that my wife and I have for each other. And some of you have that same love in your marriage. It doesn't happen by accident. You see, what we want to do is we want to please God. We want to fulfill his commandments. So I love love glory because God told me to. You didn't laugh. (laughs) She's easy to love. But I love her and try to be the best husband in the world because God tells me to do that. Now, you're starting to get this. 
This is Christian love. This is Christian love 101. We are learning what it means to love each other, and we love each other because God commands it of us. We love, I love my wife. She loves her husband because it is commanded of us. And do you want to know something that's really cool? When we went out uh, on our first Valentine's date, we gave each other, we decided to, to exchange cards. And like we weren't, we weren't really sure yet, and we, we kind of were sure, but we weren't sure. And so, I I went to get her a card, and she actually made a card for me. Girls always try to show up boys, right? <laughs> so I thought I got to keep it funny because I don't want it to be too heavy. So what I did is I jokingly got her a Christmas card. Just, you know, it was, okay, not terribly funny, but anyway, I was trying to be funny, and in it, I wrote Happy Valentine's Day and just some really nice words. Gloria's Valentine, on the other hand, made of beautiful red paper and lace, and I phoned her early this morning just to make sure I'm getting the details right. On that, on that Valentine she gave me it were these words. If you could change that, please. We love each other because he first loved us. I thought, this is the woman I got to marry. This is the woman I got to marry. Because she understands what real love is. The real love that takes place between a man and a woman or between a, a parent and a child is a love based on obedience to God. You've got to get that, because if you don't understand that, then you'll never really understand this command to love. Our love for God is demonstrated in our love for each other. So if you don't love your husband, your wife, your child, the person you work with, then the fact of the matter is you don't love God. You cannot say, I love God. You cannot stand your Sunday morning, hands raised, worshiping God, while you hate people. It makes you what we call a hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor, somebody who acts, who pretends. Real love is a love that first loves God, enabling us then to love one another. Now, I'm going to tell you, since I, since I learned that, I'm going to tell you, I discovered that it defeats Satan. It defeats my, my evil nature. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I do have an evil nature. But thanks, thanks to God, it is being redeemed by Jesus Christ. And it will be finished when I go to heaven. God will say, he's done. Finally, he's done. It's going to probably take me a long time. Some people are easier than others. But this is, this is what defeats Satan. This is what defeats your evil nature, your sinful nature. And by the way, this also defeats the world, the worldly ideas that you and I are just so easily attracted to. We love what the world has to offer. And God says, no, don't love what the world has to offer. Love what I have to offer you. This is what love is. And so God shows us what love is by, by example. You say, Pastor Alm, when are we going to start talking about Easter themes? Well, here it goes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting love. God shows us what love is. 
Jesus says, the true love is that a friend would lay down his life for his brother or for his friend. That's what true love is. And folks, that's the kind of love that God is calling us to to model, to emulate. We make sacrifices. We're prepared for sacrificial love by laying down our life for our spouse. You say, but Pastor Allen, you don't know my spouse. (laughs) You know, glory is easy to love, but you don't know my wife. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, it all comes down to an attitude, an attitude of surrender to Jesus Christ. What makes me uh, a good husband is my close walk with God. What makes Gloria a fantastic wife is her daily walk with God and her willingness to surrender, to submit, to obey. You know, Gloria and I were having a conversation about this. And we actually we talk about it all the time. But we say if there's a word that describes the Christian life, it's obedience. Obedience to God. You say, not worship? Oh yeah, worship. But guess what? To obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience is in fact the purest form of worship. This is where worship begins. And what does God call us to do? He calls us to love. Now, I want to talk quickly in the time that's left to me about this victory through love. And I look at this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. Every child of God. Now, notice it says every child of God. Because if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, then none of this, this is all mumbo-jumbo. It doesn't make any sense. But if you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, the Bible says you defeat this evil world. Remember, this world tells you that you're the center of the universe. But a child of God understands that's a lie from the pit of hell. For every child of God defeats this evil world and all of its philosophies and wrong thinking. And we achieve this victory through our what? Our faith. Now let me remind you what faith is. Faith is believing God. Say it with me. Believing God. And what did God tell us to do? Love one another. Believing God and doing what he says. There it is. That's what our faith is. And we achieve this victory through our faith, believing God, doing what he says. He tells us to love, and so we love. And that's where your victory comes from. That is how you defeat Satan in your lives. That's how you defeat Satan in your your marriage, because Satan's going to do everything in his power to destroy your marriage. Statistics say 50% of marriages end in divorce. And you'd think, well, surely that's not the case for Christians. Turns out Christians are very much like the world. The statistics are almost exactly the same. And if you live in Hollywood, then it's like 70%. The victory is, of course, over the hatred and the bitterness and the anger that grips the hearts of every one of us. When you became a Christian, what you've done is you've surrendered your life to God and you said, God... I want you to be in control. I want you to have your way in my life. I don't want the person I'm married to to control me and to control my heart and mind. I don't want this world. I don't want my boss. I don't want my kids to control me. God, I want you to control me. This is what God's calling us to. 
a life of total surrender where we defeat Satan and we do not give Satan a foothold. This is what Paul says to the Ephesians. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and thereby give Satan a foothold in your life. And that's what so many of us have done. You've chosen, look at this, you've chosen not to obey God, you've chosen to follow the instincts of your own flesh, which is to hate. Now, some are sitting here right now thinking, man, this is impossible, who can live like this? Exactly, exactly, you can't live like this. You need the power of God at work in your life. Now, folks, this is the Easter message. Paul says, I want to know Christ, and watch, watch this, and I want to know the power of the resurrection in my life. What is the power of the resurrection? It's the love of God. It's the greatest force, the greatest power on this planet. It's the the love of God that raised Jesus from the dead. That is the resurrection power that you need in your life. And it comes from coming to Christ and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. And God says, I know, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to come to that conclusion. You can't do this on your own. But the good news is that you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, that power that raised Jesus from the dead. Folks, I'm I'm showing you. I mean, I'm not giving you a a lecture on the resurrection, on the importance of the resurrection, and how if there is no resurrection, there is no Christian faith. I'm showing you practically how this applies to your marriage and to your family and to all your relationships and all your friendships. This is a supernatural love, a love that has nothing to do with feeling. Now, I can tell you, I love my wife. I have a great, great, great sense of feeling for her. But it's born first out of obedience to God to love my wife with all my heart. The focus is on God. You choose to love and honor your parents out of obedience. You choose to love your wife out of obedience to God. I'm, my mom's sitting here, so i got to be careful what I say here, but... When I was a kid, there's times, Mom, when I was annoyed with you and uh, annoyed with, with Dad. Um, of course, you were never annoyed with me. And I got to tell you, sometimes my attitude would stink. And the first thing that would happen, as soon as your attitude goes down the toilet and you start feeling feelings of anger, or of hatred, bitterness, immediately you lose your joy, you become miserable, you become what we call a rebellious teenager. How many know what I'm talking about? But then I would remember God's command to love and literally have to go through this thought process. And one of the commandments, oh yeah, what's that commandment again? Honor your mother and your father. And in that moment, I would ask God for forgiveness. It would cha- my attitude would change and I would f- actually feel the power of God working in my life. This is the victory that is ours through faith. I believe God, I did what God said. God said love, and so I love. God says forgive, and so I forgive. That's what faith is. So don't talk to me about what you believe. Show me. That's what John says. Don't talk about it, do it. Because love is action. And some of you right now, you're living in such defeat and it's only because you've allowed Satan to get a foothold in your life and you've chosen not to walk in victory. You've chosen 
to be defeated. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, victory and defeat is your choice. It's something that you choose. John says, if you will follow his example and do what he says, then your joy will be complete. And you can have exactly the thing that you've been looking for in your marriage. You look wistfully at other marriages. They seem so happy. Why can't I have what they have? Well, you can. Oh, just obey God. Just do what he says. He says to love your wife, love her. And by the way, if you've been fighting for a long time, if you just all of a sudden start loving her, don't expect that she's going to say, oh, isn't this lovely? <laughs> she may be uh, a little bit trust, uh, lacking in trust. She might maybe hold back a little bit. If you've decided you're going to love your wife and after a day she doesn't respond the way you think she does, don't say, well, I tried. That's it. I've given up. Folks, it's a lifestyle of loving your wife. It's a lifestyle of loving your husband. It's a lifestyle of loving your children. And this is what brings the victory in your life that all of us want. I'm going to just share one more verse with you. In case you haven't noticed, I've shared 1 John 3, 4, 5, and now verse 6. And it says, And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water, watch this, and by shedding his blood on the cross. This is the one in whom we have put our faith, the one who died on the cross, who was victorious over the grave. Paul says, O grave, where is your victory of death? Where is your sting? I'm going to tell you, it's, it's swallowed up. It's swallowed up. Because Jesus Christ is the conqueror. He is the one that we call the victor. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for our sins, he unlocked the prison called hell. And he let us, and he set us free. That's what Peter tells us. He, he took that key, which is the cross. He unlocked the gates of hell, and he set us free. And you and I are free today if we put our faith in Jesus Christ who shed his blood for you and me on that cross. That cross is the key. I want to ask you a question before I close. Jesus Christ, by his cross, unlocked those gates, unlocked that prison and set us free. But some of us here today have locked up our kids. We put them back in prison. We put our wife or our husband back in jail. We put our friends, neighbors, boss, whatever. We put them in jail because we're angry at them. We're bitter. The power of the resurrection is the power of love that always sets people free. This is why Jesus says that whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. And God this morning is calling you to start functioning, start living in that resurrection power called love. It's time to let people go. Let, set them free. Embrace them, love them, let them know how much you love and care about them. Oh, folks, it's a, it's a supernatural work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not anything in your power. It's the very power of God who set you free, and now you have the power to set others free. Let's stand together. Hallelujah.
God, I know today that some are, are sitting here, and even as I'm speaking, they're thinking of people who have failed them, who have let them down. And some of us think that the ball's in our court, we got to do something. And God, all you're calling us to do is love people and let them go. Let the, set them free. Don't hold a grudge. Don't be angry. Don't bring up the past. Don't try to fix it. Just let it go. God, when we think of what you've done for us, how you set us free from our sin, God, then this is what we need to do for others. This is the victory that's ours. So, God, those, those people who have hurt us, those people who have offended us, those people who have not done right by us, we're going to let it all go now and let your resurrection power take, take control. But perhaps today there is no issue with anybody. We just want a better marriage. Once again, Lord, it's, it's this resurrection power that's applied to our marriage that brings our marriage to a whole new state, a whole new level. And God, that's what we want for everybody here today. In, the, in families everywhere, a brand new level of love. So God, we commit ourselves to you now and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person...